Hi, this is Trav. I am in a truck right now. I am in my vehicle, which is a blue Toyota truck, <clears throat> mid-90s. Um, we refer to him as Roosevelt, the truck. memory of, of course, Theodore Roosevelt, who helped a great deal with the establishment of national parks, which is kind of uh, my, my giant connect, my main connection with Theodore Roosevelt, among other things. Adventurer, lover of the arts, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy, the big TR, as some people like to call him. Uh, you're listening to When I Am Not Sleeping, the podcast by Travis Yost. Uh, I, I'm talking to you from my truck because I drive a lot. I'm on the road a lot for my job, which is a musician. And so I spend a lot of time in a car driving to other towns to, to spray my musical talent all over people. Um, but specifically, this truck, uh, represents something very important to me, which is, um, I, I, I don't believe in, uh, any sort of spirituality, uh, religion or whatnot, uh, but what I, if I had anything that was close to a religion, other than music, uh, or coffee, uh, I would say my only religion would be uh, minimalism. And the idea of minimalism, uh, maybe the ethos behind it. Uh, and it's hard, it's a hard subject to talk to people about because most people, when you say minimalism, they think you live in a house with white walls. Um, a single chair and uh, a bed that is just a, a roll on the floor <laughs> and you only eat um, <laughs> I don't I don't know what I don't know what uh, people think minimalists eat uh, like you eat food cubes which uh, we'll get into it I I do participate in a minimalist style of eating um, as well, but that's my, that's the one where I'm, I'm not as committed, and I probably actually need to be more committed to. Okay, but that's a, that's part of the subject. The reason the truck reminds me of it is my favorite, when I bought this truck, uh, which I overpaid for, and, uh, thought to buy, uh, when I fought for this truck to buy it, um, one of the reasons I love it is it's two doors it's a single bench seat it has no power no power steering no ABS uh, it has three gauges on the dashboard 
it has no radio um, and not because it doesn't work but because it didn't come with it um, the three gauges are temperature speedometer and uh, gas and there's only an odometer there's no tripometer uh, there's one uh, dial for for dimming the inside lights there is basic heat and one lighter and that is it five-speed automatic when you open up the hood there is nothing in there but what needs to be in there uh, there's an engine there's electrical and there's cooling uh, I think that's it oh and, and brakes and so that like for me it's when I look you know you know when your car breaks down and you open up the hood uh, because you're uh, I don't know looking for a uh, uh, an on and off switch that accidentally got turned off <laughs> um, and you open up the hood of a car for most people the inside of the car is foreign and it doesn't look like anything we know um, and you can't just look in there and say oh well there's the problem this car is about as close to that as you can get looking inside and being able to tell possibly what's wrong um, that's also why I love Volkswagen vans same idea simple there's no there's definitely no frills there's nothing to the vehicle other than uh, what you need for it to function um, comfort is not a big thing for me um, specifically in a vehicle such as this truck um, the seat doesn't hurt my back and my legs aren't cramped so as far as I'm concerned this is pretty comfortable It also it has heat that works um, and the windows roll down for when it's too hot um, which yes I am the guy who needs to have the windows open pretty much from April to October the windows are open uh, a big guy, sweaty guy, big old sweaty guy. So, this truck being the best example of what I consider for minimalism. Because you could say, as a minimalist, uh, well, you don't even need a car. Uh, minimalists shouldn't even need a car. Well, that's that's snarky, sarcastic, and and it's bullshit. Okay, some of us need a car. Granted, I wouldn't own a car, or at least drive very often, if it wasn't for this job. I, I would probably drive much, much, much less. Um, I'd probably only drive to travel. I wouldn't drive in town. Um, so, uh, I'm going to have a car. Excited about a car. But what car am I going to have? I'm going to have the car that requires the least amount of maintenance. I can get the most out of as far as mileage and as far as gas mileage as well if I if I and this is gonna make some of you cringe so hard but if I keep to 63 miles an hour I get 30 miles to the gallon also I <laughs> I can go I can go a second longer before an oil change also I only go to the mechanic once a year other than oil changes. I only have a problem about once a year. 
And I will always argue that it's because I put my car through a little less, just a little less um, effort than other people put their cars in. I know, I know you can argue that and uh, that, that it doesn't matter how fast you go and blah, blah, blah. And some people, the majority, I think, just need to go as fast as possible. If I, if I wasn't worried about um, spending money on gas, uh, also the environment, also going to the mechanic all the time, oh shit, I'd probably drive a lot faster. Uh, but because my anxiety is in money and my anxiety is in uh, breaking down, well, then I drive a little slower. Thus, in like, uh, I, I try, I, I try, but I, I don't, I necessarily can't try, but I, I usually average about 100 shows a year playing music, and I've never missed one because my car broke down. I've, I've almost missed gigs because other people's car broke down, but not mine. Uh, and I think that's uh, a testament to my approach to vehicles, which is pretty firmly rooted in minimalism. Um, I drive the speed necessary to participate in the highway. Again, those of you can argue that it's unsafe to drive 63 with people who are going 90. Um, I'll argue against that, and uh, that's a bit of a myth. So, <clears throat> that's my theory on cars. Let's, and I think that literally is the one that most people would have a problem with if you were to be a minimalist about cars. Okay, minimalism. Here's the main trick. And there's a... I'll make sure to mention the podcast uh, and books. Uh, it's two gentlemen called The Minimalists. Uh, I, I'm going to say that again and I'm going to spit everywhere. The Minimalists. Uh, two dudes. Totally awesome dudes. Uh, they... Uh, long story short, we're both uh, high-ranking dudes in the corporate world in Ohio, I believe. Is it Ohio? Oh, I hope that's not right. I hope that's not wrong, because uh, I would hate to mess that up. But I think that's what it was. Um, uh, Joshua and Ryan. And Joshua Milburn, Ryan Nicodemus. Yes. I'm in my car, and I'm staring forward. And so I can't look at my phone. I can't double check. I can't fact check anything all around on the road. Uh, these two, oh, so anyway, they, they were uh, high up in the ranks of the corporate world, buying cars, buying houses, the whole, the whole American dream. And they, at some point, pulled a 180 and sold everything and moved to uh, Phillipsburg, Montana rented a cabin and wrote a book about their transformation and uh, it's an amazing story uh, and for me it's inspiring um, the book deals lightly in the story but also more heavily in the ethos of minimalism the thing I like about them is A. they continued their lifestyle after giving it a try and they preach, if you will, bringing back the religion thing, if they preach the idea 
of whatever makes your life better. Um, not get rid of everything. You don't need anything. They only preach the idea of uh, if it adds, if it improves your life, if it makes you happy, then you should have it. You should do it, or you should keep it. Whatever, whatever the case may be. If you're talking about getting rid of things, you don't have to get rid of everything. You don't have to sell uh, your house. You don't have to do anything. But if you have things in your life, be them activities or possessions or future possessions, and it causes you unhappiness, anger, grief, anxiety, those are the things that should be subtracted. I hope I'm making sense. Um, and I'll give the best examples I can for myself. Uh, I love musical instruments. I love all sorts of musical instruments. And I love having, I love having musical instruments around me in my home or in the studio because uh, uh, those things inspire me. Those, those possessions, those pieces of wood and metal inspire me to, to play something different, to play better, to play different styles of music or whatever. Um, I look at guitars specifically. I grew up a drummer, but I'm also a guitarist, bassist, um, some light keyboard. Uh, I look towards those instruments, um, specifically guitars and, and even more specifically acoustic guitars. I, when I write music, I, when I write songs, that is, uh, I, I, ugh, I compose, what a dumb word, <clears throat> even that's what it is. Uh, when I write a song with words, 99% of the time it's on an acoustic guitar and picking up those instruments, each one of those instruments has a thing to it. It has a, a magic. I don't know, I, and, and I know at the top of this I stated that I don't believe in anything spiritual. I don't. But I do... It's hard to, for me to not pick up a guitar that I've been playing for years, or a guitar that somebody else played for years, and not have a moment of, this guitar is has life to it. And I think primarily it comes from sound. When you pluck a string on an instrument, you feel something, as with all music. You feel something, and that causes you, or causes me, it may cause somebody to dance, it may cause somebody to relax, it may cause somebody, whatever. It causes me, as a writer, to write from a certain place. Um, and I always joke that I have, I have, I have a, I have a, this will get nerdy, I have a Gibson LG2 reissue, referred to as the American Eagle, I don't refer to it that, that was the, that was the brand nickname, the American Eagle, uh, that causes me to write story songs, stories about people, fictional things, uh, where I take you through an event or a life of a person. That naturally happens with that guitar, and maybe that's in my mind. Whatever. I'm fine that it's in my mind. Um, 
and maybe, and then I have another guitar that causes me to write kind of esoteric, non sequitur songs. And I love that. I, I love, I love guitars. I love drums. Same with drums. I can set up a drum set and play completely different than I would if I set up another drum set that's different and it causes me to play completely different. For some of you, this is a foreign concept. That's fine. I could relate it to anything in your life. Um, oh, you like to cook? Uh, cooking between different ovens and range tops is different and causes you to have to be different. Same idea. Um, I love guitars. So I've amassed a collection of guitars. And December of last year, December 2015, I realized that when I would walk by an instrument hanging on the wall and see it, I'd think, man, I'm glad I own that. I, 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 I searched for that guitar for years and I found it and I bought it. I'm glad that I have it. <clears throat> and then I would walk past it the next day and I would say, oh, I still have that. And I'd walk past it a month later and I'd say, man, I don't, I haven't played that guitar in a month. And then I'd walk past it um, two months after getting it and say, man, I never play that guitar and it eats at me. It just ate at me to where once I sold that guitar, all of a sudden I didn't worry about that guitar anymore. And chances are I wasn't playing it because I didn't want to play it. Maybe I didn't like playing it or maybe I loved playing it and maybe it didn't do anything for me. I don't know. And that's the only reason I'm explaining so deeply about guitars is just as an example. <clears throat> so, I purged hard in December and January. Uh, I purged uh, between, yeah, it's, I think it was three electric bass guitars, uh, four or five acoustic guitars, and four or five electric guitars and got it down to my room, my studio, the room where all the gear was, where every instrument in there was either, I had to own it because it was part of a gig, like it's part of a project that I plan that I go use to do my job, or it was an instrument that when I pick it up once a week, I'm inspired by it, or it's useful in the studio and I just hacked all of that down to where I didn't have much left. And uh, then uh, I felt pretty amazing. Because in the process of purging, I didn't give the stuff away, I sold it. In the process of purging, I was able to purchase a couple really useful items. Um, and I know that isn't you know, every minimalist can laugh. Every every person who's snarky or sarcastic about minimalism has a comment to me when I say that I sold guitars to buy guitars. Well, I did, and and it was totally worth it. Um, it was one of those things where uh, then suddenly I had gotten rid of uh, I think 15 instruments. Yeah, I think it was or more. Yeah, it was 15. 15 instruments that 
all of a sudden turned into two, 15 instruments that I wasn't playing, turned into two instruments that I pick up on a daily basis if I'm around them. Um, so, I mean, that makes sense. That, to me, is part of the minimalist approach. If I'm not using it, and and it's not like I also buy and sell gear as an as you know a job where I I can find a piece of gear for cheap, I will then sell it, make a little money. Um, so if it's not one of those pieces of gear, and it's not a piece of gear that I care about in any way, well then it's got to go. Um, and it's amazing the way that feels. Uh, because now, the only instruments I own, and granted, I own more instruments than I need, um, but need and use like are, 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 part of the, are part of minimalism. I may not need something, but it provides, it enhances my life. It provides some sort of joy, and it didn't hurt me to buy it either. Like, like most things, I, I bought something, you know, my first guitars were really cheap guitars, and then I traded those cheap guitars in on uh, nicer guitars, and then traded those nicer guitars in on even nicer, and, and that's the way that works uh, for most musicians. And I did the same with guitar amps, I had, I had uh, a whole pile of guitar amps, and that's kind of the nature of, of owning a studio. A recording studio, you want to have a lot of different sounds laying around. Um, but then you realize there's redundancies in those sounds, and you get rid of those, too. Got rid of a bunch of amps. Got rid of um, a couple drum sets. Uh, but in the process, I also bought some of my dream instruments. Like, instruments that I may not be able to ever top, which is a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling to know when you pick up an instrument that this might be one you keep forever and will be one that you won't replace. That's also an amazing feeling. Uh, so, that's the tip of the iceberg for gear and minimalism for me. I have to own some to do my job. It's like a painter. You wouldn't tell a painter to be a minimalist and get rid of all their paints. Uh, wouldn't tell a musician to get rid of all their instruments. But reducing the amount of instruments I had greatly improved me. Uh, improved my mindset at home, improved how I act about buying and selling. Um, I definitely have to have a better reason to buy something now. Uh, and I, I, it, it, made a big, it made a big difference for me. Uh, I also collect uh, guitar pedals. For those of you are the uninitiated, there's little boxes with knobs on them, and you plug your guitar into them, and then then they make weird sounds, or not weird, uh, make amazing sounds, or make normal sounds, or whatever. Um, I also had a huge collection of those, and purged that by half for the same feeling. The same feeling of, oh, I got rid of that, now I don't have to try to use it, and now I feel like somebody else is using it, maybe. Uh, there's a little bit of that, too. I do love the idea of an instrument being used. And if I'm not using it, well, then somebody else should. Um, uh, the minimalists, those dudes, I'm gonna, I'm, 
I'm going to preach, and somebody might say I'm ripping off by talking about them on my podcast, but I'm not. Go look up their podcast. It is so amazing. Uh, dope as fuck, as the kids would say. Uh, wait, I just said it. The Minimalists, they have a couple ideas. Uh, they, I think one of them is the 90-90, 90-90 rule. Uh, if you haven't used it in 90 days and you're not going to use it in the next 90 days, it's got to go. Um, I've applied that to musical gear. Uh, it's not totally fair uh, because uh, there's, there's pieces of gear that I might use two years from now. And I'm glad I have sitting there. And I've rooted out those. I, I have kept those. And there's, it's few and they're very small usually. Uh, they're usually noisemakers, keyboards... Uh, synth type things um, but for the rest of it for the rest of my life 90-90 became the rule for clothes yes, winter clothes obviously, but again I know most people look at minimalism and they take it as well, I have to get rid of everything I own well what about my winter clothes well, obviously you're not going to throw away your winter clothes keep your winter clothes but maybe you have too many winter clothes. What about all my what about my fishing gear? Do you love fishing? Is it the greatest thing you do in your life? Is it your hobby that you love to death? Okay. Do you need more than more than one fishing pole? Obviously, there's different styles of fishing. Got it. Do you need more than 5 fishing rods for one type of fishing? Probably not. And that might be somewhere where you can enrich your life. 90-90, I've heard them say 120-120, it all depends, that's for more seasonal stuff. The two other things they um, suggest, uh, they suggest the 30-day challenge where on day one you get rid of something, on day two you get rid of two things, on day three you get rid of three things, day four or four, so on and so forth. Uh, so that on day 30, you're getting rid of 30 items. And they don't put any rules on it, which bugs... I think that bugs a lot of people, at least the people I talk to. If you want, that one thing you got rid of could be a penny. Could be a paperclip. Could be um, uh, a notebook. Could be one DVD. It could be a couch. That one thing could be an entire collection. Uh, oh, I collect uh, I collect uh, election buttons, but I, they're in a box and I've never seen them in 10 years. Uh, I'm going to get rid of that box. That could count as one thing. Also, that box could count as however many buttons are inside of it. You make the rules. You establish the flow. You establish the effort you want to put into the purge. I like that. And uh, my deal was I ended up doing a 60-day challenge uh, where literally on the 60th day I got rid of 60 things. Yes, I started off big. And then by the end, I was, just to keep up with the challenge, I was counting a little closer. <laughs> I, was, I was getting rid of things uh, a, little, a little more exact as opposed to thinking, oh, well, there's... There's, uh, this is a box of this. This counts as 10. When? It might have counted as 15. I, I, that, 
Um, the 60-day challenge, by the end, was the easiest. At the beginning, it was the hardest because I I didn't want to... It it's scary to get rid of some things, obviously. I don't I can't remember an exact example. And, and that might be the biggest point to how awesome the purge was. I can't really tell you everything I got rid of. And a year later, almost, sorry, eight months, nine months, ten months later, I'll say that I, because I don't remember most of the stuff I got rid of, well, then it really didn't matter. Um, I haven't found something that I regret getting rid of yet. Um, or, like, something that I can't reacquire. You know, like, my mother, when I said I was doing this, immediately said, you're not getting rid of all your, your, uh, your like, a, your memory box from, a, from when you were a kid. I'm like, well, no. Why would I do that? I can't replace that stuff. Um, and it's a small box. It's, it's a small Tupperware, Rubbermaid, whatever, um, and it stores nice, and I dig in it once a year to find uh, an arts and crafts project or a report card or whatever. Um, and of course I wouldn't get rid of that. I can't replace that, and I would miss those items. Um, did I get rid of a lot of collections? I like to collect things. I like the hunt for things. I got rid of... Uh, every piece of antique camera gear. I got rid of every... Then, not only that, but I got rid of every piece of film camera gear. I, I've been a professional photographer slash amateur photographer over the years. Um, and done a lot of things. I've taken senior portraits. I've, I've sold landscape shots. Kind of all around. The uh, same way I treat music. I'm kind of okay at a bunch of stuff. I'm not really good at one style. Um, and getting rid of all the film gear was all just nostalgia. Um, I didn't use any of the antique gear. I just It was just nice to look at. Fun to, fun to pull apart and look at. Um, but never used it. Um, and the film gear, I haven't developed a roll of film in a decade. So... Uh, a decade, uh, maybe eight years. So uh, it's just not financially feasible for a guy like me, uh, a guy who has no extra money. <clears throat> so getting rid of the film gear because I wasn't using it made me feel guilty. There are people out there that will use it. Uh, and I ended up taking all, I mean, I sold a bunch of it on Craigslist, sold a bunch of it on eBay, um, and took the rest of it down to the Dark Room, which is a, uh, a, a camera shop here in Missoula, and traded the rest in on one piece of, uh, of lovely camera gear that I needed. Um, and now I have, instead of having a shelf, oh, sorry, instead of having shelves of antique camera gear and film gear, I now own a small, lightweight, amazing tripod that I use almost daily. So, improve. Uh, life improvement. Un achievement unlocked. Uh, I leveled up on that one. So, uh, what else is there? 
that happened to us. Oh, we both, uh, the lady of the house and I, Bridget, we both dove into our kitchen and got rid of half, literally half uh, the stuff in our kitchen. Uh, utensils, uh, plates we don't use, appliances we don't use. Um, yeah, the ice cream maker had to go. We don't make ice cream at home and hadn't in years, in at least three years. Okay, well, we're not going to. And and also, on that note, it wasn't a very nice one. It wasn't that great. It didn't really work that well. So someday, again, someday, oh, we decide, let's make ice cream at home. We will consider that and make a possible investment in a decent one that lasts forever and works well. And we'll see what happens when we get there. Uh, we got rid of everything we don't use. And I'll tell you, uh, about midway through this year, after the purge, we did, we moved five blocks. And it was a better moving experience because of having gotten rid of so much. We also purged during the move, which I also recommend. It's okay to make emotional decisions about, uh, you know, cheap furniture and, uh, and, uh, and stacks of books. Um, it's not like, you know, we didn't throw anything away. Uh, minus like, oh, this, this uh, area rug, nobody wants this. And I don't want it anymore. We don't need it, let's just throw it away. Uh, books, gave a bunch of books away. Uh, gifted a bunch of books. Some books that I thought I'd never get rid of, I got rid of finally. Uh, drawers of just stuff. Clothes. Uh, the 90-90 day uh, rule is good seasonally for clothes. I got rid of a ton of clothes. Okay, so the other thing, the other thing that the minimalists like to preach, I'm going to try to close out on this. The other thing they preach is, uh, or sorry, not preach, but the other idea they have is, is called a packing party. Now, if you're about to move, just do it when you move. But if you're not about to move, if you want to commit, the idea is you pack everything in your house as if you're leaving. And you pack, and I mean everything. Uh, put you know, wrap up your couch, wrap up the microwave, uh, do all that to the point where now, once it's packed, you have to unpack to use things. And then you'll truly find the things you need on a day-to-day -day basis. And take your time. And obviously, you can make your own rules. You can get to a box that, well, I haven't used this box in six months. And you can look inside of it. Oh, it's it's my yearbooks, and uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine keeping a lot of things because I get rid. I've gotten rid of so much, um, and I have hobbies, so I have gear. I have stuff. I, like as a minimalist, you may look at my house and say, "Huh, it's not really a minimalist house." Well. You may notice that there's two people that live in the house and there's only two dining room chairs or kitchen table chairs and there's only a love seat where two people can sit 
and there's only uh, three bowls in the cabinet. There's only three plates, and there's only <laughs> there's only four forks and four spoons. Uh, you may not notice that stuff, but you may notice that stuff as far as oh, that's what that's something that we consider with minimalism as well. Uh, we we used to have anxiety and stress about hosting people at our house until we said, well, if we just make it so that we can't host people at the house, we don't have to worry about hosting people at the house. So if you only have two of everything or t enough things for two people to survive, it becomes easy to say, well, we would host it at our house. It's just not feasible. It's not going to be comfortable for people. And that's and that has become so amazing. Uh, one thing in particular we did in our house, as far as being uh, me being a minimalist and forcing Bridget to be a minimalist, is instead of having a TV in the bedroom, a TV in the quote-unquote living room, a TV in her office, instead of having TVs, we have one TV that is built into a rolling cart that has the DVD player, Apple TV, and a little set of speakers built into it. And so all you have to do is plug it into the wall anywhere in the house. It can be in front of the couch, it can be in her office, it can be in the bedroom, it can be anywhere. And that's our TV. Also, when we don't watch TV, we can hide it. It goes and sits uh, in the kitchen in the corner where there's a little pocket for it, there's a little hole for it, and we don't have to worry about a TV. And also, if the TV's not ready to just hit power, the power button on, you tend to watch less TV, um, which is a big thing for me. I, I will always advise watching less. Um, because, not because I think you should watch less, like you shouldn't watch TV. I love TV. I love movies. I, I, lo I love Netflix. I love HBO Now. I love Hulu. But the idea being, you can just turn, if you can just turn the TV on, you might just watch things just to watch things. As opposed to, oh, I have to roll the TV in here and plug it in. I'm probably only going to do that because I have something specific that I want to watch. You're only improving your TV time if you add a little. I love, I love the idea of adding a little road bump. Where, on the other side of it, my minimalism is based on convenience. Um, I love drinking Soylent, which is a meal replacement. Yes, for those of you who don't know what it is, a company named an all-in-one food meal replacement, Soylent, and after Soylent Green, because they didn't know about the movie. I think that's actually the story. But I love things like that because it just takes minutes for me to drink this, and then I'm back to what I was doing. It takes minutes, it takes a minute to prepare if you need to prepare it. Um, and it doesn't make me feel gross. It actually makes me feel better. Um, I love the convenience of that. But I also love the roadblock, the little tiny roadblock that is um, having the TV on the cart. It's not ready to go. So if you want to watch something, you have to physically move it and watch something. And, and I think that improves our life, my life, our life. I won't speak for how it improves Bridget's life. Although, it means that she can have a TV in her office when there's not enough room to have one in there all the time. Um, she can have it in there and watch a little something while working. And that, and that improves her existence. 
where it's not, you know, she's not watching something on her computer where she's trying to work. It's over in the corner in the background, which, I, hey, to each his own, I think that's fine and that's great. Um, so the TV, what else do we need to talk about? Minimalism. Go check out The Minimalists. So great. Uh, Joshua Fields, Milburn, and uh, I hope I'm saying that right. I hope I'm, I didn't double check. And Ryan Nicodemus. Um, and truth be told, I, I, I see those guys around town here in Missoula, and uh, they they definitely don't mean it to be minimalism. They don't, sorry, they are not trying to make minimalism a cult <laughs> or a religion. They're just making suggestions and helping people through the process. Um, but they are as close to, um, uh, like, a life mentor or a pastor, <laughs> if you will. That's, a, that's great. They're as close to that as I've ever had in the last uh, 10 years. Um, because they're setting a good example. It is so, 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 it is such an open-minded process. Um, and if you have looked up a minimalist like book or other podcast or something and it's turned you off as such as maybe they say you can only own a six exact shirts six of the same shirts six of the same pants um, and you're allowed to own uh, you know <laughs> if it tells you what you're allowed to own or not to own then that's probably not a good process but if it's a process that just whittles you down to having less and experiencing more well then right on that's the way to go that's the whole process for me. I could talk about this for another hour. I'm not going to. That's where I'm going to call it right now. Because I think that's a good place to start for everybody. If for some reason everybody's excited and wants to hear every other thing that I've gotten rid of or, or things that I've bought or acquired or made to make my life more minimalist or, or, or easier or harder. I love all of those. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, I just wanted to start... Most people uh, are curious when I say I'm a minimalist, and they say, well, but you own a bunch of guitars, or, you know, whatever. Um, or you own camping gear. Well, why don't you just get rid of all your camping gear? Well, <laughs> truth be told, I did get rid of most of my camping gear, because turns out you only need enough to be, enough camping gear to go camping. <laughs> you don't need, <laughs> you can't use more than one sleeping bag at a time. Uh, anyway, um, the podcast is called When I'm Not Sleeping, a podcast by Travis Yost. This is Travis. Uh, I'm out on the road, and I just talked about minimalism, and I just talked about Josh and Ryan, the minimalists. Um, I, I, I dig those guys so much, and uh, um, it's funny. Again, I'm talking about a podcast on a podcast. But I just wanted to dedicate uh, one of these episodes to um, a large, gigantic lifestyle choice that I made that truly has improved my life. Um, and I guess we'll see you or hear you. Oh, we'll hear you next time. Thanks. Thanks.